Thank you for having me. Um, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, I do uh, do count it a, a joy, and it is something that I am excited about to tell you guys about. Um, when uh, your pastor, my brother Jacob, uh, asked me to speak, uh, he actually asked me to speak last year, and I agreed to a time that uh, it just so happens that my uh, company had asked me to to uh, go to China, and I was able to go to China for the first time, which was pretty awesome. So I missed uh, the opportunity in the summer to speak. So I think uh, I think he thought I need to get back on there and uh, see if he can speak. So this opportunity came up, and I was excited to to talk to everyone about how big God is. He truly is above, beyond, outside all that He has made. And I want us to reflect that. And if you open up your Bibles to Psalms 19, we're going to read a passage in Psalms. We're going to jump around a few different passages, um, but I want to start with Psalms. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. That is an awesome thing when we think about how great God is. Before I start, I would like to say that I'm not a scientist nor a son of a scientist. Uh, I love science. Uh, from, from a little boy, I do remember always wanting to, uh, to explore the outer space. As a matter of fact, the first memory I have was uh, going to the Detroit... Um, it just, I just lost my mind. It was a museum in Detroit, and it was a big screen, and, and we were sitting... Science Center, thank you. Uh, Detroit Science Center. And I went, and I just was like, wow, that is awesome. Just the beauty of the world, looking back on it, and the beauty of what God has made. I always enjoyed that. Um, so what I tell you today is just some little portions of things that I've gathered. Um, a lot of what I have to say is from uh, Dr. McCune, where actually past, your pastor Jacob uh, graduated from. Dr. McCune was a professor there. Um, a lot of the information came from that. And a, a gentleman by the name of Louis Giglio. Um, and uh, so I do want to thank, uh, first of all, before I get started, I do want to thank uh, Pastor Jacob. I do, uh, even though he's my younger brother, uh, I look up to him. Uh, I, I respect him. He's always been a been a, uh, a guy that I would go to for uh, counsel, and uh, I know that he uh, is um, uh, loves this church. He talks about how great he loves it here, and I know that God will continue to use him here. So thank you, Jacob, for uh, for having me. Acts 17.24 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven, and the earth does not live in the temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands, as if he needs anything, because he himself gave, gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of man, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time to set for them the exact place where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him through his, uh, for he is not far from each one of us. I want to start with a couple of definitions before I get into some uh, some of the science uh, of this. But I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. God is self-sufficient. 
It's a basic thing. We are dependent. We think that we're self-sufficient. We think that we can get up in the morning and go here or there, but we can't without God. I mean, God gives us breath. He gives us life. Uh, He gives us will and determination. Uh, We are nothing without God. God is everything without us. He doesn't need us. He's the self-sufficient one. Nothing resembles God in, in all of creation. And frankly put, that God doesn't need our help for anything. And if we think that we need God's help, I hope that at the end of this uh, presentation you'll see that he doesn't need our help. Uh, he's got things under control. God is powerful. We are weak. I, I, I think of this passage in Genesis 1, and we kind of just blow by it. It talks about Genesis 1, 1 through 31. It talks about the overview of creation. What an awesome thing to be there. I don't even know if it would be possible for us to live and be there when God said, let there be light, and there was light. The, the power that came from his, his mouth, and he doesn't have a physical mouth, but when he said those things, it happened instantaneously. And again, I want us to remember this when we get into this presentation and see how big our universe is. He is a powerful God, and he doesn't need our help. He is infinite. We are finite. What that means is he has no beginning and he has no end. He always was and he always is. We have a beginning. We were created, uh, we were born, and then ultimately we will die, but our soul will live forever, either in heaven or hell. But God is infinite. He's without limitation. He has no restrictions. He has no boundaries of time and space. Uh, we only know that by our God created us in this earth with, you know, we get up in the morning, we go to bed at night, we have, there's always a beginning and an end in everything. God doesn't have that. He's not bound by that. Because of that, he is, he is everywhere. He's everywhere once. I don't know what that, what that actually means. I mean, is he literally everywhere? I think he is. I don't know if it's the air. I don't know what that is. But God is everywhere at once. He's still God. And that's a great thing. It's also a humbling thing. I mean, think of the times when we, we are sinning. We think that we're the only ones there when God is there. He's there with, with us and around us. We are finite. You know, Psalm says, Great is our Lord and mighty in the power. He is understanding. He has no limits. And then if we look at Psalms 139, 7-10, it says, Where can I go? From your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go to make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere. And what did Jonah do? You guys probably all know the story of Jonah. He tried to run from God. God gracefully or graciously um, allowed him to not go. To Nineveh, he allowed him to be swallowed by a big fish or a whale, as we all hear. And uh, you know, God is everywhere. We can't run from God. God truly, truly is indescribable. There are no words. There's not enough words in our language that can describe God. There was a word in the Old Testament that the um, that the uh, Old Testament believers would call God, and they never even used this. They would be such a strong word, and it was Yahweh. And we just think of it as just another word for Jehovah or another word for God. And it is another word, but it is 
That was a holy God. There is no word, I think, in our language that we can say, this is God. And I say, I don't know what to say about that, but he is indescribable. He cannot be completely known by our finite mind. He can't understand it. He's eternally indescribable to a created finite mind. What an awesome thing that he put things in Scripture so that we can know just a little bit of him. Enough that we need to know. Now, we don't have all the answers to everything, but we have enough for our lives here. And that is an awesome God. Isaiah 46.5 says, To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that, that, that we may be compared? I'd like to start our little presentation, Start on Earth, and, um, and we're going to start small and get big. And actually, we could go even really small. As I've been doing a little bit of study, uh, actually, your pastor sent me a little uh, website uh, that's pretty cool. That it's, it's more of a pictorial thing. You can, you can start here on Earth, and you can go to the vastness of the Earth as far as the eye can see outer space, and you can go the other way, micro to the macro. And uh, it's just amazing, all of those things that God has made. Um, some of you may have been to Niagara Falls. I, I, I just had the opportunity just a few years ago for the first time to see uh, the Niagara Falls. And, and, and it's a very, very uh, powerful thing. If you can actually hear it from a distance. Um, you know, it's 173 feet high, and it's about 2,600 feet wide in some places. Scientists say, Christian scientists say, that it's due to erosion over three to 4,000 years. I don't know the actual uh, why it's such a dip, dip in, the, in the land, but it is a very, very powerful thing. Uh, more than six, gallion, six million cubic feet of water falls per minute from that, per minute. And, I, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, what's six million cubic feet? So it's uh, 1.5 million bathtubs. So 1.5 million bathtubs fall per minute. Now, I have no idea where that water goes because, you know, it seems like once that water would run out, what happens? But there's continually water flowing every minute, every hour, every day, continually over and over and over again. And God made that for us to enjoy. I think he, it's not by accident. Uh, it is a massive and beautiful creation that God made. To whom will you compare me? Or count me equal. To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? This is our earth. Hopefully you know this. Um, I love this picture because there's just the earth there. And the vastness of this universe, the earth with just the black around it. It's so stark. And that's what is appealing to me. When you get out of our atmosphere, you know, looking at the moon, I don't know if you've ever watched the moon uh, certain times of the year, it's bigger and bolder. Um, but I would imagine once you get past our atmosphere, or if you've been out in the country or maybe even in different parts of the world where there aren't as many lights, the stars are more beautiful. But this is looking the other way. And it's, it's such an interesting thing. One interesting thing is, this is probably not a shock to you, but most of the world is made up of water, 71%. And that's interesting because... Seven billion people and more, probably probably more than that, are living on this earth. Only, what is it, 29% live on the land. And even that is is uh, probably not even all livable. You have volcanic rocks and swampy lands in Florida and, you know, Allen Park. Um, 
we're moving to Hamtramck, so you know, so we're going to be close to you guys. Um, but it's amazing to think how big our world is. As a matter of fact, it's you know, it's hard to dimension it, but you could say it's 25,000 miles as far as as round as it is. And again, I like to think in real things. So what does that mean? Well, if we were to take a plane, a, a typical jetliner, and we would go about 550 miles an hour, and uh, let's say that there's some way that they could fuel like the NASA does or uh, the President's uh, Air Force One, you can come right along as you're flying, fuel, fuel it, because you'd have to fuel it. It would take about 47 hours to fly from one point of the world all the way to the same point all the way around. And uh, that's an amazing thing. I mean, 47 hours, I, I, I complain. I, I often have to go to our... L.A. office, and it's a five-hour, and I can't wait to get out of that flight, you know, uh, but 47 hours, it's amazing. That is a big world. And if you notice one thing, there's nothing that shows in this picture. We don't see faces. We don't see houses. We don't see anything other than just a little bit of property, a little bit of land, and it's a vastness. And that's just a little portion. This is this was actually taken... Um, uh, from a picture, I think Neil Armstrong took it, or it was definitely taken on the way back from Apollo 11. And Neil Armstrong was not a believer, but he said this. It's such an awesome thing he says. This is him saying, It suddenly struck me that this tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. He said, I put my thumb up and shut one eye, and my thumb blotted out the planet earth. I didn't feel like a giant, I felt very, very small. And that's the way we should feel. God made the earth and these other things I'm going to show you. And this is from an unbeliever. I, I never understood why an astronaut who has seen the beauty of this world and beyond, how could they believe in evolution? How could they think that this thing just happened by chance? How could they think that it's sustained by whatever forces, gravity, or whatever that might be. How could they not believe in a God? And how much more powerful is that for us who do, do believe in a God? We need to praise God because our earth is huge and we are small. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Here's a picture of our son. Um, and it's... It's awesome. Uh, it's a raging ball of fire. Is probably an understatement. The sun is 10,000. This is an estimate. Nobody's gotten close enough because you'd burn up. The sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That is a lot of heat. The sun's rays only take eight minutes for it to travel from our face or from the from the sun's uh, edge of the sun to our face. And that may be like, okay, that's cool. But really, when you think about it in this way, it's 93 million miles away. 93 million miles. And that's depending on what part of the, the year it is. Um, you know, in the summer, it's closer. We're closer to the sun. In the winter, we're further away. But 93 million miles away. And the astronaut or the astronauts, the scientists use this type of measurement um, to measure things that are pretty big. We're going to talk about a couple other things, but this is one astronomical unit. So if you ever anybody talk about AU or one AU, one astronomical unit, it's about 93 million miles. 
and and they do that because it's it'd be a little bit difficult difficult to to constantly be using such big numbers. You know, if you write on a piece of paper 93 comma 00 comma 00, it's a lot of zeros. So they just put one AU and it it's easier to add. Interesting thing, uh, this is again, this is an estimate nobody knows, but they say, scientists say, that if they had, if we had the technology to harness only one second of the sun's power, one second of the sun's power, that it would, that it could power, and we could somehow take that and power the world, that it would power the entire world for seven million years. That's one second. And God spoke the world into existence. He spoke everything into existence by saying, let there be light, and there was instantaneous light. He made the sun. He made the stars. He made the world instantaneously. There was no hesitation. There was no evolution. There was no time between this or that. It happened. Here's a picture of our solar system. Um, this is a linear laid out. It's never lined up that way. Um, but you're going to have to squint to see our Earth. It's sun, Mercury, Venus, Earth. It's a little dot, you know. Neil Armstrong said it. It's this tiny, tiny pale blue dot. And he was, he was coming from the moon. I mean, this is a distance that's even further than that. It's amazing to see how small our Earth is that we live on. As a matter of fact, the sun is 109 times bigger than the Earth. Large, very large. And there have been um, some studies that say that if we tip our axis even a degree, we would either burn or freeze. To the, that, it's that precise that we're, we're spinning and floating around where we need to be. And again, God sustains that life. The average distance from the sun to Pluto is about 40 times the distance to the earth. It's 40 AUs, so that's a number. 37 billion miles, billion with a B from the sun to Pluto, which is the furthest planet, and, and I know that they've considered that not a planet anymore, um, but 37 billion miles. That's a long ways. We live in a very large, very large solar system. If you were to count, um, if you were to count 37 billion, you wanted to count, start from zero and go to 37 billion and do a number every second. So you're going to count one, two, three, it would take you 120 years to count the 37 billion. And that's how far the sun is to, the, to Pluto, and we live in this solar system. So let's recap a couple things. The Earth is about 25,000 miles in circumference, and it takes about 47 hours to fly. Okay. Um, the sun, on average, is about 93 million miles away, and it can get upwards of 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. We're going to define some new definitions, again, because we're getting further out now. Okay, can't use millions of miles. We can't use billions and trillions and quadrillions. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So we're going to use something called light years, which you probably have heard, and maybe not just because of the cartoon Buzz Lightyear, but because of light years is something that's been around before Buzz Lightyear. I don't know if you guys know that or not. but um, Light year is measured by this, 186,000 miles per second. That's a light year, okay? So when you flip a switch on, it's, it's going 186,000 miles per second. And so I wrote down the calculation. Um, that's 11 million miles per minute, or if you want to do, if you want to do it uh, by an hour, miles per hour, 
It's 669 million miles per hour. That's the speed of light. Pretty fast. Okay? No car can go that fast. No NASA car, no nothing can go that fast. Not even come close to that. 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast the speed of light is. And a light year is measured by a year. So if you are able to go 186,000 miles per second and you did that for an entire year, that's 5.8 trillion miles in one year. Okay? So then when you hear a, a scientist or somebody talk about this is so many light years away, that's a lot of miles. It would, we would never, as far as I know, we'd never be able to get to that with our particular uh, equipment that we have today or even beyond. I mean, they're talking about, uh, scientists are trying to talk about um, uh, going to Mars, and there's like a whole process for that. They were saying for us to leave to go to Mars, it would probably take six months to get to Mars. And then by the time they got there and did their thing and come back, it's another year, a year because of the rotations of, of the Earth. And the, I mean, Mars is the next closest planet. And that's, that's just, I don't know how many millions of miles away that is. It's less than 3.7 billion because that's where Pluto the sun is. But we're talking about vastness. So we've got to remember these numbers. You don't have to remember them. I'm not going to quiz you. But I'm going to keep reminding you how big our world is. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Here is our Milky Way galaxy. This is where our solar system lives inside of. Okay? That solar system, which is approximately 7 to 10 billion miles, depending on what you consider the solar system, and what determines the solar system is things rotating around things. So the sun is the central point. Everything rotates around that. Uh, there could be celestial stars that rotate around that, so that could be part of that same solar system. This is the Milky Way galaxy, which our solar system rotates around that. Uh, this is 100,000 light years wide. 100,000 light years wide. And they're estimating it to be 1,000 light years thick. Remember, a light year is 5.8 trillion miles going at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. So that is enormous. The galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy that we live in. There's miles. 5.8 quintillion miles. That's a lot. One scientist said that if you took a picture of the galaxy and were to count the stars in our galaxy, because they're estimating 2 to 400 billion stars, that it would take, if we did it every second, that it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars in our own Milky Way galaxy. Again, God said, let there be light. And he made this. It wasn't a days or hours. He instantly spoke it and it happened. That is the God that we serve. One interesting thing, too, is, you know, you, I like to compare things to, I've already seen that, uh, bathtubs and stuff like that, miles per hour and stuff like that. So, um, if we were to take our solar system and compare it to size, let's just use a quarter, okay? Our solar system, comparatively, we could fit inside this, you know, the sun's right there, it's like this little dinky quarter. I forgot to bring a quarter, but you can, uh, that quarter, okay? That's our solar system. And we wanted to see how big our Milky Way galaxy is compared to that. Set that on the ground and zoom out to North America. That's how big our solar system is in 
in our, I mean, that is amazing. North America, size of galaxy, quarter of the size of our solar system. We live in a very, very tiny, tiny, tiny part of that galaxy. And guess what? Even tinier than that, I don't even know how to reference that. The, remember the Earth, the picture of the linear thing? you got the big sun. It's 109 times the size of the Earth. It's a little dot. So try to find on the quarter, if you were looking at reference points, how would you figure out where the Earth is? It's just a speck. It's not even a dust speck. We're nothing, and God is everything. He has sustained the world, continues to sustain the world. If we wanted to drive from one side of the Milky Way to the other, and we were able to go 100 miles an hour without any speed limit problems, it would take 700 trillion years. 700 trillion years. Obviously, that's why you'd want to go the speed of light, if you could, because even then it would take 100,000 light years. 186,000 miles per second going for one year is 5.8 trillion miles. And our galaxy that we live in is 100,000 light years wide. Our galaxy is massive. And so the next question is, as I put up there, is we don't even live in the center of our own galaxy. We live right there. And we don't want to because scientists say that that galaxy is spinning at 400 miles per second. And it's a massive just sucking thing where you, know, you spin something really fast and it kind of brings things in. That's what's happening. So it's 400 miles per second. And we're on the outer edge of a very, very small solar system, a very, very small Earth. We live in a very, very small town. You guys live all in Royal Oak or wherever, Clawson. We're nothing. God is everything. It's outside the Orion arm, spiral Orion arm, if you want to look it up later. But this is an interesting thing. Scientists estimate that the, the galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, is just one of billions of galaxies. Billions of galaxies. Remember how wide that is? It's 100,000 light years wide. And again, God said, let there be light. And there was light. To whom will you compare me or make, count, compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? A lot of these images came from a Hubble Space Telescope. You guys probably have heard that. But uh, I do want to just explain really quick. Um, uh, this is uh, invented back in the 90s, early 90s. And they launched it and it's rotating up there right now, 353 miles from our Earth. And the reason is there's no obstruction from our atmosphere. There's no lights. There's no issues there. So they're getting these images. And what's interesting about that is um, that they take images, and they don't take images in color. It's not the way they do it. Um, they actually use a combination of black and white images. And they make these, take these black and white images, and they say uh, multiple shots. They use different renderings and different, different ways they capture them. Um, and then they layer them. So the lamb with, this is a red, this is, represents red, this represents blue, and this re represents green, and you put them on top of each other, and it creates this beautiful pictures that we're going to see. Um, so I don't know that we could, even if we saw our own universe or parts of it, we saw like our own galaxy, I don't think it would, we would be able to even see it. it would, because we have to go back so far to see 100,000 light years. So it's, it's thousands and thousands of pictures, and, and remember, space isn't linear. It's not like this. It's 
up, down, left, and right. It's everywhere. It's a big, it's, so it's all over the place. So it depends on where you stand from and take the picture. So that's why, uh, however they do it, it's amazing that they've got these pictures and images. And uh, I don't know if they're 100% accurate. They're probably really close, but they're beautiful. If you do searches on the internet, you can see uh, some of these beautiful pictures like this, Pleiades. And you may have heard this. This is the nearest uh, cluster to our Earth. It's called Pleiades and it's 440 light years away. So what's interesting about that is that we can actually see that in the northern hemisphere, that's us, um, in the wintertime. So in the wintertime, I've never personally seen it, um, but you can see it with, with naked eye, and in southern hemisphere, you can see it in the summertime. And why it's interesting is it's referenced in Job. God's talking to Job, who Job is going through all his trials and tribulations that he's gone through. I mean, uh, I, think, I would think he thought that, the, that the God had turned his back on him, all the things that happened. But um, a lot of his friends told him to curse God and die and things like that. And, you know, you know, Job, you must be doing something wrong because all these bad things are happening to you. And I don't know if Job's questioning God, but this is what God says to Job. Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of the Orion? And God's, you know, saying that and not just, but he's saying that and say, can you do that, Job? Can you? Okay. So don't come to me with these petty little problems and tell me because I know I am in control, not you. And uh, God, God measures the universe in the span of his hand. Okay. He doesn't have a physical hand, but... He measures the universe in the span of his hand. We just looked at the Milky Way galaxy that was 100,000 light years wide. If you were to take the whole universe and to put it in your hand, I don't even, I mean, I have a number, I'll tell you at the end what they, scientists think that the universe is, but that is an amazing God we serve. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Okay, so we're at 440 light years. Let's go to the next thing. We're going to look at a Leo I or Leo one called the dwarf galaxy. It's about 820,000 light years away. Again, remember, don't forget what a light year is. It's 186,000 miles per second. One year, 5.8 trillion miles. This is 820,000 of those light years. Now this is, um, they're saying, scientists are saying most distance of the 11 known small satellite galaxies. That's a, that's a galaxy outside of Pluto and out, way out there. Uh, way outside of our own Milky Way galaxy. Um, and it's estimated to have 20 million stars. 20 million stars. Now we have much more than that. We have approximately 600 million stars in our, in our galaxy, but still amazing, again, that these things are out there. That God sustains these things. He, he allows them to exist. Think about for Thousands of years, nobody even were able to see these things with the naked eye. Until a, Now, they, they say that you can see this with a small telescope. I don't know what kind of small telescope that would be, but apparently you can see it with a small telescope. But, I mean, think about just a hundred years ago. I mean, they just invented this. They didn't discovered it, sorry, 25 years ago. I mean, why did God make those things if we were never going to see them? And you can do the same thing for the micro. Go really, really small. Things that are just there that you don't even realize that are there. I think they are a reflection of God's beauty, His power, His greatness. And I think they're there for Him to enjoy. 
I really do think God enjoys these things. I would. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? This is a, another galaxy called the Grand Design Galaxy. It looks similar to our Milky Way galaxy. And again, you, you, you have some sort of spinning thing going on here. And I don't know what the, the speed of this is estimated, but it's 11.6 million light years away from our galaxy. 11.6 million light years. And they estimated to have three to 500 billion stars in that galaxy, called the Grand Spiral. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Here's a galaxy called the Circinus Galaxy. This one's 13 million light years away. Can be seen with a small telescope. Uh, again, I don't know what kind of a telescope that is, but apparently you can see it. Um, I know the Galileo Galaxy uh, telescope I had, I know wouldn't see that, but um, 13 million light years away. They're saying the outermost ring of this is 700 light years away from the center of the galaxy, so they're estimating it's 130 light years wide. It's not as big as our galaxy, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful galaxy, 1,400 light years in diameter. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? This is one of my favorite looking galaxies. Uh, you can search for sombrero galaxy and you'll get all different images, but they kind of look like the same thing and you can kind of see why they call it a sombrero galaxy. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's 29.3 million light years away. I mean, do you realize how far away that galaxy is? Again, 186,000 miles per second is a light year going for one year, 5.8 trillion miles. And if you're able to do that, take 29.3 million years, light years to get there, 29.3 million years to get there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he spoke all of these things in six days. It is amazing to know how big our God is and how small we are. And insignificant we are. They're saying there's about 50,000 light years wide. It's not as big as our galaxy, but just a beautiful galaxy. And as I close, um, this is a compilation of our universe. Um, we have no idea. I mean, scientists can take best guess, but you know they just keep building new equipment to figure out what's out there. I mean, they don't have enough equipment out there to figure out. I don't even know how big the universe is. They're guessing 46 million light years wide. But we don't know. We have no idea. Give or take a couple billion years, they say. And I'm not sure even where our Milky Way galaxy is in this picture. I have no idea. I don't know the names of the galaxies that we're looking at there. But I know a God who knows every single star by their own name, every galaxy, every name, because God says it. Psalms 147, 1-5 says, Praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praise to our God? How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord God built up, built up, built up Jerusalem. He gathers the exile of, of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Remember all the stars in our own galaxy? 
billions. And he calls them each by name. Remember how long it takes to count to a billion? He calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power, but his understanding has no limit. That is the God that we serve. Psalms 8 says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him the ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, all the swims and the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Why in the world does he want us to take care of this stuff? He doesn't need us to take care of it. But he does. He wants us to be he wants us to, to take care of the things that we have. He's put us in charge of those things. Isaiah says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you have remained in the house of the Israel, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth, even your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who sustains you. I have made you and will carry you. I will sustain you and will rescue you. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? We cannot compare. Don't even try to compare God. Look at this universe. We can't compare them. So what is our connection to this God? Can a God who made all this love us? And that's an overwhelming yes. So much so that he sent his son to die on the cross and ultimately pay for our sins. You know, the famous verse, not the famous verse, but a popular verse that everyone knows, but it's a very significant part of that is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this painter, but her, her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a quadriplegic. She can't use her hands or feet. She got into an accident when she was, I think, a teenager, or maybe in her 20s. She paints with her mouth. And I remember this uh, image when I saw it probably 20 years ago, because uh, I'm pretty old. But um, 20 years ago, I remember thinking, what an awesome reflection of the way this is me. This is you. I mean, if you see the hand the, in his hand, he has a hammer. I mean, depicting that he is the one that nailed Christ the cross. And that's when I think about that, I think my sins put the Son of God who spoke the things into the creation which we just saw. I mean, he, he sustains life before we even were born. He, he made all of those things. And because of my sins, he had to come and die on the cross and pay for my sins. And I put him there. And what's worse, what's worse is that he had to break, God had to break fellowship with Christ for the first time ever. To turn away from Christ because it was so bad because he saw all of the sins of the world put onto Jesus Christ. Those sins were mine. And if you're a believer, those sins were yours. What an awesome thing to reflect and what a humbling thing. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Who being in his very nature, uh, who being, uh, being in very na- nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, 
and became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. And let me tell you today that Christ knew He was going to die on the cross before the world was even made. God had foreknew all of that to happen. If you read in Romans 8, you can see that. That He foreknew that, that he would have to, God would have to send a Savior, a payment for us. Because we could not pay for our own sins. And Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if you're an unbeliever, I hope that everyone here is a believer, but um, even, in a, even in a group like this, there, you know, you might come to church and do all of the things that a believer is supposed to do, but you could be an unbeliever. Uh, I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation, but I am saying that there are there are people that uh, come to church and do things. And we've had people in my church that have fallen away and uh, have not repented, so I would say that they're not believers. Um, but there are people that are unbelievers, and it, I hope that none of you are, but the wrath of this kind of a God on an unbeliever is, is strong. I mean, he has this unique character and ability to hate something as if you're the only one on the earth. I mean, we don't have that ability. When I'm mad at somebody, I'm, I'm not in a great mood because I'm spreading the wealth to everybody else, whatever you call it. But God doesn't have that. God has the ability to focus his attention 100% on one thing and multiple things at the same time. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Hebrews 10 says it this way, It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. The wrath of an infant God abides on the unbeliever. But if we're believers, we can rejoice. We can rejoice and look at the world and the universe and I hope that you walk away praising God. God's resources are without limit. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. I want to close with a song that was written called Indescribable. And um, I, I just love the verses and the chorus. It's, just, it's strong to me and it's scriptural. From the highest of heavens to the depths of the sea, creation reveals your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky. You know them by name. You are amazing, God. All-powerful, untamable. Awestruck, we fall on our knees and we humbly proclaim, You are amazing, God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or who's seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow? Who imagined the sun and gives sources to its light, yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night? None can fathom. Indescribable, uncontainable. This is the God that we serve. And I hope that we walk away in awe. Truly, truly in awe. And I think true aweness should invoke a praise to God. A, a shout of, God, you are great. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me. What a humbling, humbling thing. We're a speck. We're a dust. We're nothing. Yet God sent His Son 
to die for us. Why? Because he wanted to. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that, that you are a powerful God, that you are a God who sustains all of these great things that you have created. You are a God who loves us, who wants to have a relationship with us, not just uh, dictatorship, but you truly do want to have a relationship with us. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would take the things that we talked about today and that that we would truly walk away praising you in awe of you. And we just praise you that we are able to, to see just a small portion of your beauty. We love you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.